Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to the interview edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am every single week by some of the best guests possible in the world of mixed martial arts, and this week is absolutely no exception. We've got UFC President Dana White joining me. We did our annual odds game, one of my favorite things to do on an annual basis with uh, the head honcho over at the UFC, and that was uh, a lot of fun to do. Hope to do it again next year and recap how he did this year. You know, obviously things are getting a little bit less predictable in the world as a whole, so that makes the game all the more challenging. Also joined by UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou, UFC interim heavyweight champion Cyril Gaon. These two will go toe-to-toe in the main event of this weekend's UFC 270 card, and will also be joined uh, in the title fight situation, so to speak, by Brandon Moreno, who will be joining the show. He's taking on Davis and Figueredo for the third time. Is the third time going to be a charm for Brandon Moreno, or could we see a fourth fight? Because we have one draw, one win for Moreno, and if Figueredo comes out on top, are they going to have to do a fourth? I think they will. I think four fights might be on the horizon now. Will it be the fourth time in a row that these guys meet each other? Could be. We'll see. There's not really a real standout flyweight challenger just yet. We'll also be joined by Charles Jordan, who's on the card. Short notice against Ilya Topuria. Love speaking with Charles Jordan, one of the most honest and open athletes that you will find in the sport. And I'm also joined by the head coach of Francis Ngannou from Extreme Couture, Eric Nixick. Picked his brains on the X's and O's of the main event of UFC 270. So all that for you to enjoy. It's the TSN MMA Show interview edition. And we'll get started with UFC president Dana White. We're on the heels of the first pay-per-view of 2022. It's UFC 270. And Dana, this is one of the most stylistically diverse heavyweight title fights I've ever seen. You got the power of Francis Ngannou against the precision of Cyril Gaon. I can't wait for this one. What's your, what are your thoughts on it? What are you hoping to see in this one? Yeah, I agree with you. I love everything. I mean, you couldn't write a better storyline than this one. You got, you know, <clears throat> they used to train together. They came out of the same camp, split up don't like each other now tons of bad blood runs deep in both camps and then you have both guys are champions uh stylistically the fight is incredible the way it matches up you said it pure power against a guy who moves like a 185 pounder unbelievable footwork great hand speed um it's 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 one of the funnest heavyweight fights we've ever had well, if you want to see something interesting, put their stats side by side. Because you've got Francis Ngannou, who's landed like 40 strikes in his entire UFC career because he's just knocking guys out with his third punch of every fight. And then you've got Gon, who's just piecing people apart with 100-plus strikes in his fights. Just seeing the, the parallels is very strange. It's true. It, it's, 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 it's an incredible heavyweight matchup. And everything's on the line for these two, you know what I mean? Um, you, you got Ngannou... You, you got Who's, who's got one fight left on his contract going in against his former teammate. And, uh, you know, th- they both don't like each other. And this is it. It's a big one, man. It's going to be a fun fight. And we go from the big ones to the small ones. we got the flyweights in the co-main event. Now, this is the third time these guys are facing each other in 13 months. But the weird thing about this trilogy fight is you've got a draw in here. So should Figueredo win, it's going to be 1-1-1. Is there any outcome that you see where the division doesn't move forward and we see a fourth fight? Listen, I, I don't like the idea of fourth fights, but, you know, and there's a lot of guys waiting in line. 
you know, for the next shot. So hopefully, hopefully we end up with a, with a, you know, whatever happens, happens as long as it's a great fight. And, and what, I, what I'm hoping for is that it's a decisive finish. Not like we get down to, oh, it's a split decision or, you know, as long as it's a good fight. Well, the weird thing about that is you look at the first fight and I think a lot of people thought Figueredo won that fight. There was the point deduction. And there was one judge that gave the fifth round to Moreno, even though his hand was injured. He barely threw anything. So in your mind, do you kind of think of that as a win for Figueredo, even though officially it was a draw? Yeah. Listen, I, we, we, can, we, can do, we can play those games all day long. It's, it's whatever the judges decide it is, it is. And if you look at that event in April, you've also got the Bantamweight Championship unification bout between Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan. Now, I had heard that this card was going to take place in Brooklyn. That was the report. Is that still the case? Because now I'm hearing mixed things about that fight being moved out of Brooklyn. Did we announce we were going to Brooklyn? You did not, but several reports had indicated as such. Oh, yeah? It reports. I love that. Yeah. It, it ain't true unless you hear it from us. All right. So then I'll ask you straight out. Where is this event happening in April? Don't know yet. Don't know. Yeah, we literally have nothing on the boards right now for where. Now, historically, the April pay-per-view had taken place in Brooklyn, but of course, you know, everything's kind of up in the air right now in terms of how things are operating. Is there still a chance that it does happen in Brooklyn, or is Brooklyn out? Is there a chance that what? Brooklyn could happen? That that it could happen in Brooklyn in April. Yeah, I mean, it, it could happen anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You announced the main event of UFC 272 in Las Vegas in March is a non-title bout between Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. Now, I've always been a proponent of this. If you have a big fight that can go on a pay-per-view and headline it, even if it's above a title fight, I would love to see more of it because I think there are a lot of big fights that can be made that do have that drawing power. Is that something that we can expect to see more of in the future? Well, we, 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 you know, we, we, have, we have done it. We, we've done it with, uh, with Diaz we've, and Masvidal. We've done it with uh, Conor. Um, and yeah, if, if I think that, that there's value there for the fans, I'll do it. Do we have a co-main event for that card yet? Do we have a co No. No. It's just about the only thing we don't have. It's just about <laughs> the only thing we don't have on the card is a co-main event. That's funny you say that. Well, the Literally biggest question the I'm asked... The is done except for the co-main event. <laughs> The biggest question I'm asked is about Hamza Shemaev and when he's coming back. Is there a possibility that he fights on that card since he's in the same weight class as the guys in the main event? Um, yeah, he's, he's going to pop up somewhere. I don't know where yet, but uh, we're working on it. Do you have a plan for his opponent as of yet? We're, we're talking about that too. Yeah. Last we spoke, you had somebody in mind. Did something fall through or are you guys just working on nope. the paperwork at this point? No, nope, we still got somebody in mind. Same guy. No hints? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, as I uh, mentioned with Shemaev, we've, we've seen all of these guys kind of call him out, but you've mentioned a lot of people are, don't want to sign the paperwork once it comes across their desk. Is that what the problem is at this point in time, is working out the, the finer details? No, 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 no. That's not the problem. Listen, we always have problems here. Lots of problems. Problems that you guys don't ever hear about or know about. And in this case, that's one of the problems that, that we're dealing with behind the scenes. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to point out, too, we were in a matchmaking meeting on Tuesday, and I'm always like, nobody wants to fight him, nobody wants to fight him. Leon Edwards signed the bout agreement to fight, fight him, and he's ranked 
you know, I think he was ranked number three at the time. And, uh, you know, so I just wanted to make that clear publicly that he absolutely stepped up to fight him, signed the bout agreement, then Hamzat got COVID, and, you know, that was the end of that. Well, you're not bringing this up for no reason. Uh, is, is Leon fighting for the no, championship I'm, I'm bringing, next? Because I'm the... bringing it up for a reason because <laughs> I said that and never gave that kid the credit that he deserved for actually – he said yes to it, signed the bout agreement, and was ready to roll. So, me well, I'm saying, thinking Leon's ne- not the next guy for Hamzat. I'm thinking Leon might be fighting for the title next. Is that where you guys are going with that? 100%. Yeah. yeah so that, that kid, next in line. That kid's had a rough run. He deserves it. And if you look at it, uh, Colby lost to him twice. Gilbert lost. Leon's next. He's number three. And finally, has there been any movement on the Kayla Harrison front? You guys had been negotiating with her late last year. Uh, haven't heard anything about it since. What's the latest with that? I have no idea. All right. This is something we do every single year at the beginning of the year before the first pay-per-view. It's the odds game. And we didn't get but we did it two years ago. The odds game is tougher, though, this time around because you can't predict what's going to happen in the world. You can predict what's going to happen in your promotion, uh, but, you know, you're going to get a lot of curveballs along the way. Do you have the odds in front of you, or do you want me to just go through them with you? No, I don't have them. Okay. Let's rock. We got uh, divisions with new champions in 2022. Over 4.5 or under 4.5 at even money? Yeah, I'd say over. Usually, it typically does hit over at around that price. Uh, next opponent for Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, plus 150. Charles Oliveira, plus 300. Nate Diaz, plus 300. Islam Makhachev, plus 400. Rafael Dos Anjos, plus 450. Tony Ferguson, plus 500. Michael Chandler, plus 700. And plus 200 for the field. I'm going to take Diaz. Diaz at... Plus 300. And I should mention, by the way, if you're reporting on this, Dana White's not saying Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz is the next opponent for Conor McGregor. These are odds. I'm giving Dana 3-1 to one odds. So if you're going to make a headline, it's Dana White, at 3-1 to one odds, believes that there's good value on Nate Diaz being the next there's opponent. There's going to be 100, people, people dumb fuck, 100 dumb fuck <laughs> websites out there that say that I said Conor's fighting Nate Diaz. It's inevitable. <laughs> well, that's but why I'm giving ahead. the disclaimer. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, is I there a disclaimer. Uh, will there be a two-division champion at the end of 2022? Uh, plus 120 for yes, minus 140 for no. I'm going to say no. Number of U.S. states that will hold a UFC event in 2022. Over six and a half, under six and a half, even money. Say that again. The amount of U.S. states, different U.S. states that will hold a UFC event in 2022. Over, under six and a half. So, so far, you've got Ohio lined up, you've got Nevada, you've got um, How many states? California. How many states? Well, we Over six? Six, six and a half. And a half. Mm, that's a tough one. So, you've got Nevada, California, Texas, Florida. Arizona. Huh? Arizona. We go there. Arizona. New York. Ohio. Ohio. Each one more. What are we doing more? I'm going to go with the under. Under, all right. Will Canada host a UFC event in 2022? Plus 200, yes. Minus 300, no. <laughs> no. Realistic odds. Uh, Very realistic. <laughs> the UFC opens a new division in 2022. Plus 220, yes. Minus 300, no. Opens a new division? Yes. No. 
A Dana White Contender Series alum fights for a title in 2022. Plus 140, yes. Minus 175, no. That's a good one. Um, I can give you a couple that are ranked. You got Giga, Alex Perez, um, Marina Rodriguez, who I think has a, a shot. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say yes. All right. Uh, highest pay-per-view buy rate of 2022 over 1.6 million at plus 130 under 1.6 million at minus 150 oh, i'm going over over is that 1.6 is i guess your second highest of all time is that right something along those lines something like that okay countries that hold ufc events in 2022 over three and a half plus 150 under three and a half minus 180 under Amount of Conor McGregor UFC bouts in 2022. Over one and a half is minus 110. Under one and a half, minus 110. So even money. Say under. Amount of Hamza Shumayev bouts in uh, 2022. Over two and a half, under two and a half. Uh, sorry, the over two and a half is juiced to minus 130. Under two and a half, plus 115. I'll go with the over. Pay-per-view events headlined by non-title bouts in 2022. Now, we already have one. Over one and a half, plus 175. Under one and a half, minus 235. Heavyweight? Non-title. Uh, no, non-title bouts. Oh, non-title uh, pay-per-view pay fights? What is it, one and a half? One and a half. Because if we have McGregor coming back, headlining, not fighting for a title, you know, there's a shot. Yeah, I'll go with the over. Will Africa host a UFC event in 2022? I know you guys have been working towards this. Yes, plus 200. No, minus 300. No. Which continent will have the most champions representing them at the end of 2022? So this is an, an interesting one. I can give you the champions for each continent if you'd like. North America, minus 200. You've got Moreno, Sterling, Rose Namajunas, uh, Pena. Plus 200, South America. You've got Oliveira, Nunes, and Teixeira. Plus 400, you've got Africa, Nganu, Adesanya, and Usman. Plus 3,000, you've got Asia, just Shevchenko at this point in time. Plus 600, Europe, you've got Jan and Gan, both interim champions. And plus 3,000, Oceania, you have Volkanovski. I'll go with South America. South America, plus 200. All right, now here's the, uh, the fun ones. Will John Jones fight in the UFC in 2022? Minus 300, yes. Plus 230, no. Yes. Will Zabit fight in the UFC in 2022? Plus 130, yes. Minus 155, no. I'll go with a no. Will Henry Cejudo fight in the UFC in 2022? Plus 150, yes. Minus 185, no. No. Will Nick Diaz fight in the UFC in 2022? Uh, plus 250, yes. Minus 325, no. No. Will Ronda Rousey compete in the UFC in 2022? Plus 2,000, yes. Minus 3,000, no. Yes. Oh, okay, well, let's, let's get those headlines turned. Let's get those. I'm typing it up right now on my, on my typewriter. Uh, will Brock Lesnar compete in the UFC in 2022? Yes, plus 1,200. No, minus 1,800. No. Uh, will Khabib compete in the UFC in 2022? Yes, plus 1,000. No, plus, uh, minus 1,500. No. Will Hasbula compete in the UFC in 2022? <laughs> yes, plus 700. No, minus 1,100. Yes. All right. Will GSP compete in the UFC in 2022? Yes, plus 2,500. No, minus 3,500. No. And uh, finally, I, I think I know the answer to this one. Will Jake Paul compete in the UFC in 2022? Yes, plus 3,000. Big odds, 30 to 1. No, minus 5,000. 
he's under contract, isn't he? He's under contract with Showtime. No, I think he's a free. I think he's a free agent right now, is he not? I think his his thing with Showtime is done. Really? Yeah. I, I didn't think that. Hasn't I don't renewed. know. I don't know. Okay, so it's a push, I guess, um, at this point in time. He posted a video of him throwing a kick. It looked pretty good, in my eyes, at least. Yeah? Yeah? You, you think he's got it? <laughs> nah, I don't know. When, when you, when you um, are recording a video response to this guy, do you ever think, do, should I be doing this? Like, do you, do you oh, ever think, th- no. this guy's no, made no, his no, money no, off no, of trolling no. I, people. I wanted him. Listen, and, and you saw his response. He, he, this guy's not serious. This guy's fucking joking around and, and, and whatever. Listen, I know I don't do cocaine. You want you want to you want to you want to test? Let's test. I think that you use steroids. Let's and 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 then he comes back with, "Oh, that's a compliment. I've been laying around eating. I don't care what you've been eating or how long you've been off. If you cheated in your last fight, your sodder will catch you. Your sodder will get you if you did it. You want to take a drug test? Yeah, no, he does not. So, you know, obviously he he didn't want to do he didn't accept my challenge. And uh, you know, if 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 you're somebody that's going to fight him in the future. Push for hardcore drug testing. All right, Dana. Well, always a pleasure doing this with you. I love doing the odds game. Hope we can do it again next year. And the best of luck to you. I'll be tabulating oh, it again and I'll give you the way, results in January he 2023. Came back and said uh, he'll do it if I test all my fighters. How did the warlock not tee him up? For what? How did the warlock not tee him up and let him know that fucking we drug test all our fighters? All of our fighters are drug tested, you know, frequently. They have the, the toughest drug testing policy in all of sports. You'd have thought the Warlock would have let them know that. And they haven't been, we haven't seen a lot of positive tests lately. We haven't seen uh, USADA, I mean, you know, here and there, but it seems like it's really uh, actually curbed so it in true. the sport because the amount of, uh, of sanctions so true. And that, that was our goal when we, when we set out with, with this drug testing policy. Get all these guys off it. You know, it, it's better for them health-wise longevity for their careers so it, it, it absolutely worked all right dana well i love doing this with you i like my odds for us doing this again next year appreciate you and uh looking forward to ufc 270 and every other event you guys have planned for q1 looks like a big quarter thanks brother appreciate it i'm pleased to be joined by the heavyweight champion of the world francis Ngannou, looking to unify the titles this weekend at ufc 270 against cyril Ghosn. when you think of cyril Ghosn's face how does it make you feel well, he makes me feel like a, another opening, you know. I don't have to think about his face. I don't just have to think as him as a fighter that uh, I have to fight a, on Saturday. I know it's a strange question. It's just it's a guy that you've sparred with before, that you've been face-to-face with. I know it was only for a, about a month, but I was wondering if you had any sort of uh, feelings about him that you might be different from a different, you know, a, a previous opponent. Mm, no, at all. Uh, he's still an opening. He's still coming uh, after me to take what I have worked for. So, still have to defend. What do you think of him as a fighter? He's been a lot of fun to watch since he's joined the UFC. I was curious, when you watch him fight, what do you think is his best skill? Uh, he has a good speed for a heavyweight, good movement, uh, work, footwork. Yeah. He has that uh, outstand a lot of heavyweights with that. Now you've had a very unique life, and you've been able to achieve so many of the dreams that you had in mind when you left Cameroon. What dreams are left for you to fulfill 
before the end of your life, really? What, what do you have on your list of things that you really would love to fulfill uh, in your lifetime? Oh, there's a lot of dream on my <laughs> mind. What do you, how can you ask that? Like, what I, what I have I done already? Uh, yeah, I've become the WRC champion, but uh, as a person, where am I and how can I be better? What can I... What can make me be happy, you know, uh, set, uh, and be happy for life? Those type of stuff. I think it's more important. Uh, it's above every type of, like, I, mean, I think it's a great ach- achievement for a man to find himself happy, and find himself with a good balance in life. What makes you the happiest? Like, if you were to sit down and think about the thing that makes you the happiest in the whole world, what is it? I don't know. Can you tell? Maybe family, you know, people around you, people who cares. I think that's what matters the most. I like that answer. That would be my answer as well. But I'm always curious to pick your brain. You're a very thoughtful guy. So I'm always interested in, in what you're thinking. Now, when, when you look at this yeah. fight and, and you look at um, the outcome of this fight, what do you think is the most likely outcome if you, if you were to win the fight? Ideally, what do you think that outcome would be? The outcome of the fight? Yeah, what round, what method, how do you think is the most likely way you win this fight? Uh, I would say the um, knockout in the second round or under two rounds. Let's say so, because it can, la- it can most likely happen in the first round as well. <laughs> the first round, when I picture it in my head, I feel like it's going to be uh, not a whole lot of activity. I feel like the two of you are really going to try to figure each other out during that five-minute round. Do you think that's about how long it will take for you to kind of get his rhythm? Um, no, I don't, see, I don't think so. I think the first round, he's going to uh, be uh, moving a lot, uh, running, running away uh, from... Le- I think his goal is like to uh, drag, drive me down uh to the end to the decision and then maybe uh throw some kick on the way and expect me to get tired or something like that i want to ask you about training because this video came out of the two of you sparring and i'm sure everybody's been asking you about it but i don't want to ask you about that in specific i want to ask you about training in general when you're training with a training partner you can ask, you can ask me about that as well Okay, well, I, I can't ask you about it, but I, I think I know your answer because everybody's asked you this question. You believe that they're releasing videos that makes him look favorable and you not look favorable. Yeah, and they don't release the full video. Well, that's what I want to ask you about training, though. Are you going full out in training? Like, how many people have you actually really hurt badly in a training session? Because when you're training with, a, with another human being, they're trying to help you and you're trying to help them. That's Absolutely. the thought in mind. It's not about hurting the other person. Absolutely. That's exactly what's happened. And then when you finally get uh, hurt somebody in training, you feel bad because that uh, unintentional and, uh, you know, uh, you just want him to be able to uh, feel safe the next time that you step in there with him or that you call him to come give you a round. You know, you want him to feel secure. You want to protect him. You don't want to hurt him. And if at the end you, for some reason, hurt him, then that would be just by mistake. It won't be like willingful. Then, but I look at the way that the two of you fight. 
And if you were to ask me who's going to look better in training, Cyril Gunn or Francis Ngannou, my answer is going to be Cyril Gunn because of the way that he fights. The way that you fight is, you know, you have, you have such a big primary weapon. You've been able to finish people so often in the first round. That would never really come out in training. Do you agree with that? Yeah, because in the tra- in the in the training you're not going you're not you you don't you are not going to hurt somebody. You even though you want to go, you even though you fight you're sparring him, you're still protecting him. You don't want to hurt him, but in the fight you put the force intentionally intentionally to hurt, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm able to hit to to hurt somebody. So <laughs> that's the difference between training and fighting. You know. Uh, and from me hurting my sparring partner uh, over time, I kind of like learned how to uh, spar smoothly without hurting anybody. And that's the goal. I want them to give me a hard round. I want them to push me, uh, to put me in the zone that I uh, maybe I don't used to be. Because I know that if I put a power, that will stop, right? That might stop in the next minute. We won't go longer, uh, maybe not even through the round. Another thing I'm sure people are asking about is what happened in New York at Madison Square Garden. I heard you say to Daniel Cormier, you think that whole thing was set up. That you, so they had taken you to your seats and then they redirected you backstage and there happened to be a camera there right where uh, Cyril is. Do you think that that was intended yeah. to build this fight, to make you look bad? What do you think was the intention yeah. there? Yeah, that was it. I think I believe that was the intention. What do you think the, the <laughs> intent was, though, to make you look bad or to make, you know, build, build up this fight? I don't know, but I do. Be, I do believe that uh, that was a setup. They they knew, they they they, they, they prepare that and get it there. For what what reason? I don't know, but that was a setup. If you just saw Cyril backstage and and he was standing by himself, are you the type of person that would approach him anyways? Like if. if I know that if you believe that was a setup and Fernandez is there and that's really where your hesitation lies. But if you just saw Cyril backstage, would you go and shake his hand and say hello to him? Maybe I wouldn't go to shake his hand, but I would at least wave him and say hi or like knock at my head, you know, like what's up, something like make a sign for sure. The issue with Fernandez is more that when he's talking in interviews and, and talking about you, he doesn't have a whole lot of good things to say. So is that where your anger towards him comes from? Um, personally, I won't say I have an anger against him. And that's the thing. I protect him. I protect myself against him. I know the kind of person that he is, and I don't want to be in business with. I don't want to be any close uh, to him. Do you watch any of these interviews that he does? Do people send you clips? I, I mean, I, I can't imagine you're sitting at home on Twitter all day finding videos of your former coach talking. Brother, I don't care about what he does. He might care. He might be watching my life. I'm, I'm, I'm his star. He watched me doing stuff, but I don't care about his life, you know? And that's the reason. He just need more. He just need attention, which is okay. But, uh, <laughs> I mean... I think I have more to do than spending my time watching his video, his interview. The last thing I want to ask you about is this partnership you have. I think it's with um, a Bitcoin wallet and you're starting to want to get paid in Bitcoin. Yeah, Cash App. Right. And you want to get paid in uh, Bitcoin. 
how did you get familiar with this? I know your manager, Markel, is very into NFTs and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So did he get you involved in this? And, and what is your interest in it? Yes, absolutely. Like it's been a year uh, that uh, they talked to me about it, about the uh, Bitcoin, uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and NFT. And I didn't know anything about it by the time. Then this, uh, they started to educate me about it. Um, we even dropped a NFT uh, when I first TP and it did pretty good. And since then, I get deep into like uh, cryptocurrency and a Bitcoin and I just uh, fall in love with, you know, so I believe in that. Do you own any NFTs? Yeah, I bought some. I have someone of, on my uh, wallet, MetaMask, and I have a lot of uh, crypto in my in my wallet too. Well, that's that's obviously a good thing to have. But which NFTs do you have, if you don't mind me asking? Rambocon. Okay, I don't know that one. Any other ones? No, I have just I have just a few of Rambocon. Okay, well, you and I will have to talk NFTs next time I see you. I know a lot of people think NFTs are silly, but you know what? If you if you buy an apple on the street for a dollar and you can sell it for four dollars, it's still you know you're still making an investment. Well, uh, even the uh, painting is selling. I think NFT is just a digital uh, version of painting. You know, uh, back uh, before the NFT, people used to like paint on the board and like sell it for millions of dollars, which is just a painting with the ink. You know, is is the same thing, but now uh, digital. Since everything is converting to the whole world is converting to digital, NFT is a version of like painting digitally and which is which is even uh, better because you can track the authenticity of your uh, nft you have the uh, id of your, your nft well, looks like you know a lot about this particular subject i'm sure we can talk about it more in depth but i've run out of time with you i appreciate your time francis best of luck this weekend against cyril gone ufc 270 thank you very much see you next time bye 10-0 in the UFC and the interim heavyweight champion, he's Cyril Gan, taking on Francis Ngannou to unify the heavyweight championships at UFC 270 in Anaheim. How excited are you for this, uh, Cyril? I, I know you have a lot of enthusiasm about just about everything, but I imagine this is particularly special for you. This is, uh, this is special because this is Francis, and Francis is the champion. And, uh, and uh, if I beat him, I'm going to be the champion, the baddest man in this planet. So this is a little bit special for me. Uh, than the former fight, uh, but uh, yes, we are cool. We are already in the NIM. We feel ready. We feel really nice with the, with all of the team at the training, uh, physically, and uh, the weather is good. <laughs> so the feeling is good. We good. I've got to ask: Is there anything that stresses you out in life? Is there anything that that keeps you up at night? No, <laughs> Say again. Sorry. Is there anything that stresses you out in your life, Cyril, or anything that keeps ah. you up at night that makes you upset? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Not 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 already, but maybe one time. Yeah, maybe one time. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe when we talk about the family, maybe, maybe. But that's it. Yeah. Are you more stressed out watching your training partners fight than when you're actually fighting yourself? Uh, 
this is exactly that. C'est ce que j'allais dire en plus. This is exactly that. I got more stress when when my guy gonna jump in in, in the cage because I, I don't I don't have the control. But when about me, that's okay. I'm gonna try to manage the situation. So that's why maybe I don't have pressure. But when it's my guy, that's a little bit different. Well, a lot of people talk about the background here. You and Francis were former training partners. Uh, Francis has now moved to the United States. Do you feel any sort of animosity towards him personally? Do you feel like you're defending your coach's honor in this fight? Or is it just another day for you? Do you, do you not even think about it? Uh, for me, there's nothing special more for this fight. Yes, it is a little bit different for Francis and for maybe my coach because um, you have a deal. And uh, but but I think uh, this is going to be just the champion against the interim champion. This is going to be uh, maybe the two uh, the two uh, biggest athletes in this division. Uh, I, I look this side like that. Like okay, Francis is is really athletic, really powerful. Me, I think I'm I'm good athlete also. I can move very well. I can during in the fight. So I see this kind of fight as two phenomen was born in the same gym with the same coach. So that's why it's a little bit special. Yeah, that's right. Do you ever look at the stats from your fights? I looked at the stats from Francis's fights next to the stats from your fights, and it's just such a different. Uh, you guys are just such different fighters. You you know he's got such short fights because he ends them so quickly. And you are, a, you know, you're a volume striker at heavyweight. You're a very technical striker at heavyweight. Do you ever look and compare those two things? Uh, there are no comparative. There are no need to compare it. This is going to be uh, a game of échec. Uh, Comment dit échec? Checkmate. Checkmate. Yeah. This is going to be a fight like that. I'm going to fight with my strength. You're going to fight with his strength. Everybody know what can fight. Probably we're gonna have. He's gonna try, and he said that on media. He's gonna try to 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 knock me down. Maybe at first at the second round because you know after that it's gonna be more complicated for him to win the fight. And me, for my part, I'm gonna try to manage the first one, the second round because I know after that it's gonna be easier for me to win this fight. So we will see. We will see. Was the fight with Derek Lewis the perfect warm-up fight for this? Because we know with Derek, you know, he's going to throw that big shot. And if you can avoid that big yeah. shot, it's going to be difficult for him to win that fight. And Francis is a very similar type fighter. You have to evade the big shot, and then you can do what you want to do in the fight like you just talked about. But do you feel like the Derek Lewis fight was perfect for you to get set up for Francis? Uh, we we knew that already. We can manage the power. We knew that already. Uh, but for the people around me, for the for the fans, for, this is an example. Yes, I can manage the, the guy who have a big uh, power of knockout, and uh, we are really not afraid about that. You can see, yes, of course, that on the, my former fight, my last fight with uh, Derek Lewis. I'm sure every interviewer is asking you about what happened at Madison Square Garden where you were in the back with Nasruddin and Francis Ngannou walked by and kind of glanced over and kept walking. But I'm curious, when you first saw Francis, I'm sure you hadn't seen him in person in a long time. Like what is going through your mind in terms of your feelings about him at that moment? Surprise. 
just surprised because uh, it was really wrong, you see, to cross some people's. I, I, but after after a moment, I can understand his mind. He was really not comfortable with this situation. You have all the team, the the the, the opponent team, with the coach, but it's a little bit shame because. Um, because because it was wrong, it was not good, and the people on the media say that also. Ah, he's not a good guy, he's a bad guy. So so I think he, he, he make a mistake. Like after his explanation, I can understand. He was a little bit confused. He don't know exactly how he need to manage that, so he just crossed that. So I can understand, but no worries. We are not really really friendly references, so um, no matter. But Nasruddin was. Nasruddin and him trained together for many years. Did Nasruddin send him a message afterwards or did he send Nasruddin a message and say, you know, listen, this is the situation, this is why I walked by, sorry, or anything like that? that so that's why, that's why he was wrong because you have Fernando Lopez, okay, you have a deal with him. You have me, you have no deal. I'm the future opponent. We're going to cross the ice one time, so whatever. But Nasruddin Mavov, he just fight, he just won, he just jumped in the top 15, and he did a lot of years. He was, I think he, Nasruddin Mavov is the biggest sparring partner, uh, I'm talking about the time, uh, Francis had. So that's why he was wrong. So that's why he was wrong. How much overlap did you have with Francis? Because, I mean, you've only been in the sport for about four years. Your debut was to become the TKO heavyweight champion in this Canadian promotion. We're here in Canada, and we, we, we have you feel, we feel like you're kind of one of our adopted sons because you were the champion at TKO. But uh, how long of an overlap did you have with training with Francis, and how well did you get to know him? Uh, I started the heavy May. I started my career uh, in uh, 2018. And I think just when I started, a few, a few years when I was beginning uh, at this moment, I did some sparring with him at first. And after my my first fight in TKO, not my second, it was after just my first fight, I did uh, another camp. I don't remember which camp it did. I don't remember it was again. Uh, but I did. I, it was Ken Velasquez. It was Ken Velasquez, exactly, exactly. Uh, so yes, I did some spying with him, but that's it. That's it. I mean, Francis is not this type of guy. He don't like to be really friendly with the uh, with the people like that. Yeah, so you guys never really sparked any sort of real relationship outside of the gym. You know, he's kind of a private person, and I, you're a very outgoing guy, but you also have a family as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really personal. Of course, you have friends. Of course, you have the family. So no, no, no he's not. Uh, not like that with everyone. But, uh, but yes, he chose. <laughs> I was not the chosen. So you grew up playing basketball before you started doing MMA. Who was your favorite basketball player growing up? When you were a kid, who did you like to watch? Uh, of course, Michael Jordan was really beautiful. Like I can say exactly the same for the soccer with uh, Zinedine Zidane or Ronaldinho. This kind of, 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 uh, of sports if I really... It's a pleasure to... To, to watch this kind of sport. If you look just beautiful, when he moves, when he did some moves, it's just beautiful. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna choose uh, Michael Jordan for that. Was Tony Parker a good rapper? Ah, uh, Tony Parker. No, <laughs> I don't want to talk about the rap. But Tony Parker, um, I prefer Jordan. But Tony Parker is an example, and uh, and this is my second choice 
because he did something like uh, 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 like uh, nobody did. Uh, Nasi, you have Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert did something really crazy now. But uh, yeah, what the first French guy jumped in the NBA and did uh, a career like really fast like that uh, with the title, too much title with uh, with his team. So yes, Tony Parker is something big. You don't like Common Dance avec me? That you didn't like that song? <laughs> I don't remember exactly the song, <laughs> but it was not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got a laugh out of you, Cyril, to end this interview. Thank you for your time. Always appreciate it. And uh, best of luck against uh, Francis Ngannou, UFC 270, heavyweight unification title fa- uh, bout. And I uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon, sir. Thank you, Roman. Thank you. He is the flyweight champion of the world. He's Brandon Moreno, and he's taking on for the third time in 13 months, Davis and Figueredo. Are you getting tired of this guy yet? <laughs> Man, it's crazy. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you uh, so much for your time, bro. Thank you so much. Um, I'm, I'm just ready for the fight. I'm just trying to think about the next challenge. I know I saw uh, this guy on, in my last two fights. But I'm tr- just trying to keep focusing in the, in the next fight and trying to think in this fight like a, a new challenge. And that's it. Now I want to give you a chance to clear this up because I think that there's some stories being messed up a little bit here. He came out and said that you went against Henry Cejudo. You were training with Joseph Benavidez to help him okay. prepare for Henry Cejudo. But I watched the season of The Ultimate Fighter and his first pick was Alexander Pantoja, who happened to be lined up with you. And he was pretty disappointed that you were going to be on Benavidez's team. But now, Figueredo's saying that you stabbed Cejudo in the back. So I want to hear what the story is. Um, man. <laughs> you know, so the funny part of this is very simple. Um, um, the people has his own version of the history. Definitely, Henry has his own uh, version of this history, and I have my own version. Uh, but I don't actually. It's funny because I don't need to say nothing. The people can see something is wrong with all of this. You know, like something is like a little bit fake. Like so, something, something doesn't feel like real in, in all of this with his version. So, man. Uh, he made his decision, so he picked uh, Pantoja, uh, and he and I went to Joseph Benavides. I mean, that is true, you know. I made a really nice and good relation with Joseph Benavides. He's an amazing person. He's an amazing athlete and, and, a, and a better, including better uh, person. So yeah, I have I made that relation with the, the Ultimate Fighter, but everything started with the, the decision of Henry Cejudo. So. At the end of the day, the people can uh, put his own opinion. Just I'm trying to do my job. Well, I would just recommend they go watch that season of The Ultimate Fighter because it's explained pretty, uh, pretty clearly in my opinion. He could have picked Brandon Moreno as his first pick and then none of, none of us are talking about this. And maybe you're training with Henry Zahudo <laughs> and not Figueredo. Right now, you know, that, man, that is real, you know. Everything changed with just one decision. And, you know, after The, the Ultimate Fighter, I went to Colorado to train with Jess, with, with, with him and all the team, because in that in that moment, 
Uh, all my team in Tijuana, in Tijuana, Entram Gym was in Mexico City because the the the, the Ultimate Fighter Latin America finale uh, was like almost there. So all my team went to to Mexico City to do an uh, uh, elevation training camp there. So I was alone in my city, uh, training training with anybody. So that decision to go to Denver, Colorado and train was like a, just a professional decision and like was for my career. Um, and that's it. And it's funny because maybe the guy, uh, the other people say like, don't believe in me uh, with this history. But man, we never talked nothing about Henry, man. I mean, that's why uh, Joseph Benavides is a real, uh, a real, uh, an amazing person. Because he never asked me nothing about Henry, asked me nothing about the, uh, how he trained or something like that. And I never say nothing. So, obviously, he can't believe in this or not, but, man, that is the truth. Uh, so, yeah, man, everything changed with just one decision. Right now, I'm trying to be just very focused in, in, this, new, in this new fight against uh, Fidel. Now, I pulled up a map today, and I didn't realize that Tijuana is only a 90-minute drive to Anaheim. So how much representation is there going to yes. be for Brandon Moreno at this fight at UFC 270? Man, I'm so excited to fight Anaheim. So, first of all, the fight supposedly will happen in, in, in December uh, here in Vegas. But UFC moved my fight until January, and I was a little bit disappointed, you know, because I had just one fight in, in, two, in 2021, and I, I don't want it to be that champion who get the belt I never defended. So I was a, a, a little bit disappointed, but when UFC uh, told me about the location, I said like, okay, okay, the, uh, I can wait a little bit because, you know, Anaheim is an amazing place to fight uh, because, you know, a lot of Mexican people lives there in, in Anaheim and Tijuana with no traffic is just like 90 minutes uh, from, you know, you just need to cross the border and just 20 minutes in the highway to go uh, to Anaheim. So, man, I, I can imagine right now all the people support me that night. So if you win, you know, when you become a champion, I know you're already the champion, but the first place champions often go is Disneyland. Are you going to take a walk down the street from the Honda Center and, uh, and check out Disneyland with your family man. after the fight? <laughs> so, ah, sorry. So that's the plan. That's the plan. Maybe not the next day, but, uh, you know, in a few days, because you never know how, how you finish the fight. Even when you win, you have some injuries, you can't uh, walk very well. Uh, for example, that, that happened last fight with my with my feet. I can't walk very well. So I, I just wanted to, to wait a few days and then go to, to Disneyland after the fight. So with uh, your lead up to this fight, you, you did an interview with Brendan Schaub for his food truck diaries. You told him you don't like spicy food. So if you go to the supermarket and you buy salsa, what level of spice do you get to dip your chips in? Man, the lowest level possible. <laughs> mild? You get the mild sauce? You know, that is a, it's, it's a, cli a cliche of the Mexicans. No, all the Mexicans love the spicy food. <laughs> Except for you. You don't like the spicy food. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, no, all the people love the spicy food, you know, in Mexico. And, and, I'm one of, of those guys. <laughs> All right, so you do like spicy food because you told Brendan Schaub you, you didn't like spicy food that much. No, I don't like. I don't oh, like don't spicy like... food. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I don't like spicy food. And in Mexico, the people think all the Mexicans love spicy food, and that's not true. So I saw you uh, on Instagram with your family. You guys were in the snow. Where did you guys go? Uh, we went to uh, a mountain, Charleston. Here in, it's very close from uh, from Vegas. It's one hour drive, and and was nice. Uh, and was crazy because it was our first time there. And I went to Big Bear, for example, before in in California. And there they have like restaurants and stores. Uh, where you can buy like something to get fun in the in the snow, but there in in, in Charleston Moonshine, they don't have any any store or restaurant or nothing. So I was with no food in my stomach. Everybody was like hungry there. We don't have nothing to enjoy the snow. So we went there to the snow and we was were there like two hours just trying to enjoy everything, and then we went to to our house again. But it was nice. The experience was nice. Have your daughters been in snow before? Just the just the the, the youngest one. The other two girls was or the, uh, their first time, um, and the second the second one for for my youngest one. But so the youngest one and the middle one enjoyed too much the place. The 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 little one was like eh, I don't like that place too much, but it was nice. Well, I'm in Canada, so the snow is a one-minute walk from my basement here. I just walk out the front door. Uh, <laughs> so the flyweight division, it's shaping up. you got Kai Kara France and uh, Askarov are facing each other. Do you believe that the winner of that fight is going to be next in line for the title? Maybe, yes, man. Uh, right now, you know, the division is very excited. Uh, right now, the flyweight division is, is in, a, in a perfect and excited moment. And again, I'm excited to watch what happened with the next uh, uh, challengers of the division. Right now, I'm very focused on Figueredo, but definitely I'm watching of Askar Askarov, of Pantoja, Kaikara Frank with, with his last victory against uh, uh, Garbrandt. Uh, Alex Perez is there. So I'm waiting for these uh, new uh, uh, future opponents. And yes, I'm very excited to watch Askarov against Karafranc. I think they can be the, the next one in, in my list. And last question for you, UFC 270 is headlined by the heavyweights, the biggest division in the men's uh, divisions, and you're in the flyweight division, the smallest division. Which fight lasts longer, yours or the heavyweight fight? Um, man, I don't know. I'm just excited to watch the fight. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Um, I appreciate your man, time. Thank you for this. Awesome, right? Man, the fight is awesome. I mean, Francis Ngannou against Cyril Gann, former uh, uh, teammates, they train just not too much, but they, they train a little bit. So, uh, so man, I'm just, I, I just want to win my fight and go to the backstage with food, some pigs, I don't know, and watch the fight like a real fan. All right, well, we're all going to be watching both of the fights uh, with bated breath. Awesome matchups for UFC 270. Really appreciate your time. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time, too. And, and yeah, uh, see you see you later. He now has a new four-fight contract with the UFC, and he's not taking any time to get started. Charles Jordan taking on Ilya Tapuria next week at UFC 270. Where are we at? Is everything signed, ready to go? Uh, we still need to sign the bad agreement. I think uh, Ilya had something to, to do uh, still. But me, I don't mind. Uh, the UFC said yes. Their manager said yes. So for me, it's on, even though there's no signature yet. So what's the plan in terms of your traveling? When are you heading out to Anaheim? Uh, it would be uh, Tuesday. 
next Tuesday, so in about three, three, four days. And then we stay there for four or five days. We fight. We come back home and, uh, you know, try, try to enjoy that crazy uh, fighting life as much as we can. You didn't buy any tickets to Disneyland for afterwards? You know, you're not going to check that out? Or no, 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 no. My girlfriend would kill me. You know, I've been traveling a lot without her. And uh, if I told her I'm going to Disneyland, she'd be like, man, I need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, no Disneyland. Only fighting land. My, 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 my preferred land. <laughs> well, I felt bad. Last time I was in Anaheim to cover a UFC event, I was walking Disney. I walked right by Disneyland. I was staying right near there, and I felt bad because my kids weren't with me. They would have they would have hated it if I went, but I wouldn't go without them. What am I going to do at Disneyland by myself? <laughs> it would be weird, man. Alone, alone in the 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 the, the, the roller coasters <laughs> would be awkward as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not about that. I'll, I'll pass on that. So. We don't hear a lot of people standing up trying to fight Ilya Tapuria. He's undefeated, great prospect in the UFC. What made you decide to go after this fight in the first place? Uh, it's not my motivation, but right now I'm, I'm. You know, I don't live an exciting life. Uh, if you're, if someone would see how I live, they would be like, "What's that?" But me, I train, eat, sleep, spend time with my girlfriend and my dog, and then that that's it. That's my life. So. There was no, you need a camp, you need this, you need that. Of course, I would prefer better circumstances, but I don't mind. I'm a fighter. That's what I do. And I'm a big, big fan of guys who are, wants to fight all the time. And uh, even though, you know, I, I still have injuries from my last fight, but I don't care. I mean, if, you, if you're a fighter, you fight through those stuff. Fighting is just not two guys collapsing. It's fighting those circumstances. So, yeah. So, I, I got a we, I saw the message with Sean Shelby and my manager and... Uh, yeah, not many people jump in line for that fight. But I'm like, you know what? I'm in shape. I feel great. And uh, it's a big card, big, big, big uh, opportunity. So why not? I'm happy about that. I, I, I didn't expect it to happen, actually. When I gave my name, I was like, there's probably tons of fighters who are in line to fight this guy. He's super exciting. He's strong and he has a good name. And they said, nope, nobody wanted to fight him. And I was like, oh, well, give it to me then. Because I know I would have been on the bottom of the list if, like, another guy, like, let's say, I don't know, uh, I don't have any names in my head, but some any guy more ranked than me that would have said, hey, I want, let's say Erosa, Julian Erosa would have said, hey, I want it, but they probably would have given it to him, and I wouldn't be mad about it, but, yeah, I'm the one in line, so I like it. Well, in fairness to Julian Arosa, he's not cutting to 145 in a week's time. I don't think he's able to do that, but... Uh, oh, I, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. So, what, what, if you were to step on a scale right now, what would the scale say? 158. Okay, so this is a regular weight cut for you for the most part. Very, very skinny guy. I don't lose a lot of weight. I'm already in very good shape. I did my sprints this morning. I did my rounds yesterday. Like, I, I, this is what I do. I live for that. So there was no, are you in shape or not? Maybe there was a Christmas thing, the Christmas part that people were like, oh, maybe he took Christmas off. But, I don't like taking time off. I like I like training more than I like taking time off. So yeah, I'm I'm in shape. I'm I'm very good. Of course, I'm fatigued, but I'm in, I'm in shape. Another thing that has to play into the matchmakers' minds is locality. You know, it's hard for Canadians to take a short notice fight because of all the hoops you have to jump through, and also that the UFC have to jump through. They have to get visas all sorted out and all of that. So any hurdles in that regard? No, uh, me. The only thing I needed to do some. Uh, What's it called? Uh, uh, medicals. I had to do blood tests and uh, a couple of other stuff 
I need to see a doctor, but I'm seeing him uh, tomorrow night, and uh, yeah, everything's going to be sorted out. So I hope there won't be anything crazy about third dose and all that bullshit. If it does, uh, I- I'm moving away from, from Canada for sure. If it's preventing me to work and they want me to have uh, all those uh, COVID shit that I don't need, that would be bad, but I don't think so. I think you have your two doses. I took them because I needed them to fly. I got them, so I don't think there would there's going to be any trouble. But hey, we never know. Canada is a fun place. <laughs> That's certainly interesting times. I guess I don't I haven't heard any sort of legislation regarding that. And in addition to that, though, are you taking any sort of precautions to make sure you don't come in contact with the virus? Because as we know, this stream of uh, of COVID nineteen Omicron spreads a lot yes. faster and a lot easier. You have to get on an airplane, you have to be around people. Anything that you're doing to mitigate that risk? Well, we get tested before we go, so that's the most important one. And, uh, you know, I, I cannot see my girlfriend. It's been a week I haven't seen her because uh, she because she works. Sometimes she's at my, my place. And uh, now uh, her mother is sick. So just, you know, a little bit of a headache, and nah, 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 but I... Just for precaution, I'm not going to see her for a whole two weeks. And, uh, and uh, yeah, this, this the type of precaution I, I take. Like, no girlfriends, no, no friends who are in touch with a lot of people. It's just me and my team. And, uh, yeah, like, we do our best. But if we test positive, that would be so stupid. But I'm in great shape. I'm not sick. And I don't think I could get sick uh, either on, in three or four days because I'm not... I'm not going around. I'm not going to the the buy clothes or stuff like that. I'm staying home. I'm training, and uh, the the only thing I go is groceries. So I doubt I doubt I'm gonna have any problem with it. I know you like to keep up with the fashion, so I mean, not going out and buying clothes must be very difficult. You order online, I'm guessing, right? You're you're a young guy. You don't need to go out to the mall to buy clothes. No, no, no. My girlfriend has a, the the clothing company, so she makes all my stuff. So I'm good. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're covered in that regard. Uh, what do you know about Tupuria and why did you think he was a good opponent for you? Man, I've been looking to Tupuria for so much time now. I love guys who use shell guards, who are close, who likes to stand and bang. And uh, people, uh, I, I understand why there's so much, oh, uh, Charles going to get beat up and nah, nah, nah. I understand. It's a short notice and I'm against a matador, uh, matador but this guy is more of a bull. Like he runs through, you shoot that double leg uh, with the head on the the, the left side. Uh, good ground and pound, but uh, uses more jujitsu. Uh, he has only three fights in the UFC. We watched all of them, but it's very hard to get uh, uh, an understanding of what what his abilities can be because first fight in the UFC, you know, always it's the, it's always the first one. It's hard to 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 say. Second one, he destroyed uh, Damon Jackson. And third one, he fought a guy who was Imanahi rolling into his leg and uh, with a weird style of fighting. And he managed to clip him right on the chin. And it took one and he was out. So it's hard to see. But what I, what I liked is uh, I think he's having trouble with lefties. I saw him get dropped in his earlier fights. Uh, I was watching his uh, previous fights. And I know he has problem with lefties, and uh, the, and he didn't fight that many of them. Because people say, oh, he's undefeated. Does that scare you? But no, it doesn't. What scares me is a guy who's 34 and, let's say, 8. Because this guy's still fighting even though he lost uh, so many times. That means this man has character, has experience. And this, those are the things that we've never saw from him. 
me, I'm a perfect example of that. You know, I get better every fight, and sometimes I lose, sometimes I win, but I'm always there. So that that's what makes that matchup so interesting, in my in my opinion. But a lot of people are counting me out, and I don't I don't blame them for it. Well, I think that's the way you like it, right? You want people to count you out. You want to have opponents that scare you. You've told me this in the past. Uh, I think that's yes. the environment you thrive. If people expect you to win, I feel like you feel more pressure than when people expect you to lose. I do. I do. Uh, a little bit less now because I'm, I'm starting to, to, to learn more about myself. But yeah, like Andre Wall, I think I was favorite and uh, you know, I won. And uh, yeah, I, I need to, to shut my mind. It, like The fight is the fight. The fight is not what the media and everybody makes of the fight. Like, it's going to be hard to do. Like, there's going to be, uh, what, 25,000 people in the arena, pay-per-view, main card, all of that stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to just, I need to shut down my brain and say, man, it's just a fight. Just go out and perform the way you you, you usually do. And, you know, I, I guess against Choi, who I think, in my opinion, has the, a very similar style to Tuporia, except for the takedowns, the blast double leg. But for the hands, the boxing, the crisp head, the head movement. So... Like, if they would have said, oh, you're fighting, uh, I don't know, Zabit, that's not a fight I would have taken short, short notice because he's so unorthodox, long range, he's weird. But this is a righty with good hands who can shoot. Like, this is a very common common form of fighting, but he does it very well. And there's a reason why he's such a... a uh, there's so many people who are afraid of, his, uh, of him. So, yeah, I understand everything. I think. <laughs> well, I like, I like that you noticed the nuance with you being a Southpaw because a lot of people don't really look at that. There are certain fighters that don't do well, like you said, against Southpaws. And like you mentioned with Tapori, is undefeated. But if you've noticed little things like that in his previous fights, it shows you've been doing your homework, which is nice to see. Now, you looked at his UFC yeah. fights, but all the fights before his UFC fights were all like first round submission win, second round submission yeah. win. How has he changed his style? Does he just have, did he just have an easier time? going against uh, striking-based fighters early in his career, or did he have to adjust because he's facing a Damon Jackson, a guy who's got really good subs. Ryan Hall, obviously, that's all he's known for, really, is his subs. Is that why you think he's starting to yeah. knock guys out? I, I think uh, he, he got confidence in his hand, and uh, that's what makes him even more dangerous than he was before he arrived at the UFC, because, you know, he's getting bigger, he's getting, because he's a 24-year-old, I didn't know that. I thought he was uh, uh, my age or something. But I didn't expect him to be that young. But now he's starting to become more physically powerful. But you saw in his first fight uh, that went three rounds in the UFC. His gas tank was good. But, uh, you know, he had, he had some trouble uh, uh, later on with uh, the Moroccan guy. So now he's, he's using a lot of muscle with those double legs. Double legs takes a lot of energy. Ground and pound takes a lot of energy. And I'm someone who always withstand the storm of all the guys that I fought in the first round. So that's that's what makes it interesting. Like, can you finish me in the first? Or can I withstand the storm and then start picking it up? And, uh, yeah, that, that's what's interesting the most about that bout. Like, can I can I see those traps? And I, is he going to be overconfident? That, that could be something. Because maybe he sees me as just another, like, oh, okay, for... Perfect. I'm going to run to that kid, then I'm going to the top. But at me, it's something I understand. and something that Darren Till said. There's no easy fight in the UFC. And sometimes, you know, you hear that, yeah, he didn't fight anybody in the UFC. I'm like, UFC is a murderer's role. Like, you can fight. I, I know there's caliber, but until you reach that top 15, those 
15 guys before the top 30. Those guys are super dangerous, uh, especially featherweight. I'm a big fan of the featherweight division, and I look at these guys, I'm like, man, there's so many killers who are on rank right now. So, so yeah, I, maybe he's going to underestimate me, but whatever they do, I'm, I'm, me, I'm just there to fight and give my best. Yeah, featherweight division, like you said, very, very tough. Uh, your manager, Stefan Patry, must be very happy. You've got you on the card, Cyril Gahn in the main event, a former TKO champion, and then the, week, the next event after that, Malcolm Gordon, a former TKO champion. So things are going very well uh, for the alumni of, of TKO. Yeah, and even Marc-André Barrios is going to fight uh, like a month in a month or something. I think so, that's yeah, the same card as Malcolm, gotta... actually. You're right. Same card as Malcolm. Yeah, so big Canadian card. I think Akeem is fighting. There's a lot of Canadian as well on that card. And uh, uh, do, do you know who Arnold Allen is? Oh yeah, he's fighting Dan Hooker. I saw that yesterday, and that that's incredible. Like Arnold Allen has been slept on, and uh, this is a very intriguing matchup. Uh, I really like what's happening in the featherweight division uh, right now. But you know, I didn't take that fight to be top 15, top this, top that. I just took that fight because. Uh, uh, Ilya likes to stand and bang, and this is my style, and this is a big card, and uh, it's not about the the rewards I'm going to get after that fight. It's about fighting one of the best uh, up-and-coming guys. That, that's what I thrive the most. Uh, that's what excites me the most. More than victory. Vic, uh, I, ju I just want to... to, to to test myself against the 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 the, the this uh, up and coming guy undefeated everything I just like the the thrill of it. It's also kind of a stockier fighter. You're a pretty big guy for featherweight, and they keep putting you against these giants like Arosa. Andre Yule, even though he was a former bantamweight, is pretty tall. Rojo, even though again also a former bantamweight, was pretty big. And now you're fighting a guy I think he's five seven, so uh, kind of a stockier opponent. And you've had a lot of success against smaller opponents in the past. So that's what makes his style is because he can boom drop and then you drop your hand and then boom he comes and clip you in uh, with those overhand and hooks, body shots. So so from what I saw, he fought most of the time he fought those small lefty uh, righty sorry and uh, he had success against these guys. Now he's gonna fight for the first time uh, uh, tall but strong because he was fighting uh, tall guys but tall 135ers. It's not the same like. Uh, uh, but he fought Damon, but Damon, I don't know, I didn't understand the way he was fighting him. I think it was very hard for him to try to a shell guard and try to, to rush on, the, what's his name, Tuporia. So, yeah, he fought him in a very hard way. But, yeah, I think my frame is becoming bigger and bigger. So, so when you saw me against Choi, my body changed so much since then. So, yeah, the, I, I'm in good physical shape. I'm strong. I'm a lot stronger than I was. It will felt very weak in my hands. Even Erosa in the clinch, I felt I had the advantage strength-wise. And he's a very big man. But by being that lengthy, he didn't have as much strength as I expected that he would. So, yeah, it's, I can't wait to feel the power of Ilya just to, to, to measure myself. Now, I know you take a fight like this because of the matchup. But do you also think of it as something where you got a new contract, you don't really have much to lose here. You're, you're taking a short notice fight against the guy that, like you said, a lot of people are expecting to win against you. Yeah. If you come out and have a good performance regardless of the outcome, do you feel like your stock goes up anyways? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, this is more politics side. I try to, to avoid it too much. It's not on my mind. I'm going there to, to win. I'm going there to, to slash, to, to, 
to, to stand and bang with a very great fighter and in front of the crowd. I, I can't wait to perform in front of it. So, yeah. So everything that, that goes with the reward of winning or the, the what's going to happen if I lose, I accepted all of that already. I accept that if I lose, uh, there's going to be critique. There's going to be a lot of things. And I accept that if I win, I'm, I'm going higher in the ranks or whatever they want to do with me so but I think the UFC are very grateful that I pulled that move but for me it was I basically I don't want to sound selfish but I did it for me I really wanted to fight a guy who has a style like uh Tupori. I think we match up pretty well well if you fight every two weeks we would always enjoy watching you you're one of the most exciting fighters to watch representing our great country of Canada thank you for doing this and I look forward to speaking with you again soon hopefully after you score a victory at UFC 270 we'd love to catch up with you and see how and, and rehash it all Let's, let's chat after the victory. Thank you, everyone. It's always a pleasure talking with you. It's great to speak to one of the brilliant minds of mixed martial arts. He's Eric Nixick, the head coach for Francis Ngannou. Now, I heard your interview with Ariel today, and a lot of that is about what's going on backstage, politics, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that with you. I want to get into the X's and O's of this particular fight because I think it's an incredibly intriguing one. Cyril Ghosn, this guy's a, a technician. He, he's one of the best technical strikers I think I've ever seen at heavyweight. How hard is it going to be for Francis to get to this guy, and what kind of strategies do you have in place without sharing too much in order to do that? Yeah, obviously, I think you you have to be patient. You can't allow yourself to get frustrated in some of the things that he shows and he does. Um, you know, for us, we, we understand what we're great at. We, we understand what uh, Cyril's great at. So you kind of have to let the, let the patience, if you will, and, and the data that you collect to, to be... Um, be able to get your reads, Aaron. I think that's the best thing for us that we're, we've been kind of doing. And uh, Francis has been a great resource of information for me as a coach because he's been in there with them and moved around with them. I get it's been at a sparring level. It hasn't been a, a high-paced fight with all the stakes at hand. But him being in there with us, uh, real being able to move around with them, I think is a lot of insight that most coaches aren't going to have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was speaking with Francis yesterday because that footage is out there of the two of them sparring. And I asked him, if you were to release sparring footage with the two of you, most of the time, Cyril's probably going to be winning because when you're sparring with somebody, you're trying not to hurt them. And when we see Francis and Ganu's highlights, you know, it's because he's in the cage trying to hurt somebody as opposed to being in there with someone who's trying to help him train. Would you agree with that assessment? Absolutely, because I see him spar every day with guys that, you know, in our gym that he can kill. <laughs> you know, so... Um... He's, he'll, he'll spar with Sean Strickland just to entertain him and give him some give him some looks and some stuff. You know, Brad Tavares will get in there and move around with him. You know, so there's guys that have this movement, if you will, or, or uh, speed, if you will, just maybe not at the same uh, heavyweight division that Surreal's in. But we also know that Francis has been a great teammate to a lot of these guys, so he understands how to use his power and how to use his movement without trying to affect the guys and make them feel like they're going to get knocked out half the time. You know, a lot of people have talked about how Conor McGregor in the gym was never that special of a, of a fighter. But when the lights were on and he's walking to the cage and he's in the cage, that's where he was really able to show what he was capable of. Is Francis the same kind of specimen? Uh, he's pretty damn good in the gym, too. You know, uh, I think when I think of a comparison like that, I, I kind of think about early, early Dan Ige's career. Dan Ige um, might not have been that, like that. Uh, gym guy that you'd see and then when the lights would come on down we'd go in there and knock somebody out 
Uh, but now I think Dan's in the gym. He's a lot like that. But for Francis, uh, he, he's pretty damn good in the gym too. Like he, he executes his game plan. He leans a little bit more now on the things he's been wanting to work on and get better at. And um, so we don't, we don't emphasize the striking as much as we did in the past. Now I, I try to put him in scenarios and situations that make him a lot, make him have to work a lot more. But um, yeah, man, I think he's, I think he's pretty damn good in the gym too. Yeah, I was curious about that because obviously I don't see any footage of, of him training and see what he looks like as outside from what's on, you know, UFC embedded or countdown where he's, I think he was with, sparring with Blagoy Ivanov or something along those lines. Um, now, in terms of this particular uh, fight with Francis, uh, there are two outcomes that I think are the most likely outcomes. You know, people are asking me, what do you, if I want to bet on this fight, what should I do? I say bet on Francis by KO and bet on Cyril by decision because if one of those comes through, you're going to make money. Do you think that that is the most likely outcome for each of these fighters? Do you think that Cyril, if he wins this fight, let's say he won, let's say if you go into the future, he wins this fight, is it most likely going to be by decision? Yeah, I think that's, I think that would be the accurate assessment. I think that's a great call by you, to be honest with you. I, I think that if you were going to put money on, on both sides or what the outcome would be, that, that would be, I think, a, a, a great evaluation. Yeah, there's, if you bet $150 on Francis to win by KO, and you bet $100 on Cyril to win by decision, you're up regardless of either of those outcomes. That's what I keep telling people to do. You know, you don't have to cheer for just one fighter. You can cheer for both of them to succeed as long as they execute the game plan that you have envisioned for them as the, the sport's better. It's very Canadian out of you, Aaron. It's a very Canadian. <laughs> I see what you did there, my man. <laughs> it's more Switzerland than anything else. but uh... Yeah, very, very true. Very true. <laughs> so with Francis, he has had, since the last time Ferran coached him, Eight minutes of cage time, approximately. Whereas you look at how much cage time Cyril Gons had, it's probably been an hour and a half since that amount of, you know, since that time has passed. Who do you think that benefits more? A guy like Francis who doesn't have as many miles of in-cage competition in terms of the actual um, competitive nature of the sport, or Francis, uh, or sorry, or Cyril who's gotten all those reps? I think you make an argument for both, but uh, I think for... For Surreal, it's, it was important because of his stage in his career, being 10-0. and 0, I think, you know, being able to have that much uh, cage time and, and experience to me is like going to college, man. You get to figure things out. You get a little bit more time to work and things like that. Whereas, you know, for us, a lot of our figuring things out have been more in the training room and um, with more, more training partner competition rather than in the cage. But that also leaves a lot for the mind, for the mystery of the mind and, and knowing like, oh, well, what are these guys doing behind the scenes? Because all we've really seen is eight and a half minutes of this dude actually competing. You know, so there's there's been a lot of uh, back and forth with that and understanding that what's been going on. And I feel like we were able to show a little bit of that in the Stipe fight and then some of his improvements in his game. So I think you can make an argument for both, to be honest with you, Aaron. Yeah, you see, it's funny because when you look at you as the coach and Fernand as the coach, I think a lot of people would argue that Fernand has a leg up in the situation because he's coached Francis. I actually think it's the opposite because I know how much you, uh, you utilize kind of a football mentality when it comes to coaching. You break down a lot of tape and you look at a lot of uh, the different nuances of the opponents. I think that there's actually a lot more that you can learn from watching Cyril than what Fernand can learn from watching what Francis has, I guess, evolved into under your tutelage. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think you can take that um, from both standpoints. I, I really do, man. And, you know, Fernand's just done an amazing job with, with all of his fighters, to be quite fair. Um, but, you know, when you look at Surreal and, and his, uh, his attributes, his movement, his efficiency, the things that he does really great, man, um, 
it's it's a very different style of fighter than than Francis has been. So you know, credit to to uh, Ferdinand and the MMA factory because when you look at that, it's not like it's it's like he's trying to build a certain type or style. He's kind of molding to what the fighter's capable of doing, and I, I think that says a lot about him and, and his coaching as well too. What do you think Francis has improved the most upon since he's been taken, I guess, solely under your wing? Uh, situational awareness, uh, fight IQ, understanding um, what placement of punches, what they mean, where it directs fighters. Uh, we don't want to throw punches. We want to place punches. We want to try to put, put people in situations where they're trapped with barrier. Um, we want to you know, counter-wrestle. When we counter-wrestle, we make them pay for shooting on us. Just, I think, all around trying to evolve his MMA mind and his, and his game and understand that, you know, for me, I tried to explain to him the reasons why. Uh, I think that's the type of thinker he is and the type of learner he might be. So it's like, hey, if we place a punch here, it's probably going to direct him to this position here. And here's our add-ons from there. Um, and I try to give him, you know, I always I have an analogy. I always say it's like Thanksgiving dinner. I'm going to prepare turkey and mashed potatoes, and we're going to have a thousand side dishes. And every fighter is going to be able to pick whatever side dishes they want that they like to have on their plate. And everybody's plate's going to look different. My job is to prepare a bunch of dishes and allow that fighter to pick which ones he wants. So that's kind of my analogy with Francis when it comes to his game is, dude, you got to be the athlete and read those positions and the scenarios and allow them, allow yourself and your, your skill set, your artistic value to be the reason and, and uh, you create off of those things. I know in the Rosenstrike fight, you were kind of, I wouldn't say disappointed, but a little bit worried about the fact that he kind of went into broken joystick mode. You were trying to yell out instruction, and he just went, you know, straight forward uh, and knocked out Rosenstrike. Are you worried that something like that can happen against Cyril Ghosn? And is, if it does happen, is that sometimes a good thing for him to just kind of go with what he's feeling at that time? Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing knockout. Like, it didn't look technical by any means, but it got the job done, and we had a funny moment, man. When I got in the cage, I was like, he looks at me first and he's like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, I don't know, man, but you knocked the guy out. Like <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch it. So, um, but there was a read there. There was a combination that we had set up and um, he just, he just made the wrong read on, on what the exit was supposed to be, but it worked. And sometimes that happens in MMA, man. Like it, it worked, it worked out in our favor. Um, it was something that we did improve on. And I think you saw that uh, in the Stipe fight. So, but if he goes out berserker mode and knocks his dude out and hits a home run, then, you know, good for him. I'm going to give him a hug regardless. And sometimes it's the result that matters more than the method. Uh, although I'm sure as a coach, you probably don't necessarily love that mantra. Uh, so with Derek Lewis, the last fight that Cyril Gaunt had, I think that a lot of people are reading into that in that it's a similar type of opponent as Francis. You know, when this fight uh, came about, Francis opened up as the favorite whereas Cyril Ghosn now is, has become the favorite and the line's flipped. I think a lot of that is because they believe they've seen this fight before. I think the big difference between Francis and Derek Lewis is that Derek is a little bit more risk-averse. He, he he's, doesn't like to take um, the kind of risk that I think Francis does and has been successful for Francis in the past. Do you think that that's probably the biggest different, uh, differentiating factor between those two fighters? <laughs> I think uh, Francis can can really mold himself into the fight uh, the way he needs to see fit. It's the right tool for the job. You know, um, we've seen him be athletic at times. We've seen him go berserker mode at times. You know, um, we've seen him kind of change his 
his uh, skin, if you will, to, to match what he needs to, to get out of the fight. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, I look at the headspace Francis was in and looking back and talking to him about the Derek Lewis fight, we spent you know a few hours breaking it down and watching it. And just I wanted to know where he was at mentally then. And I think that explained a lot to me of what you guys saw in the product in that in that in that particular fight. So stylistically, I, I don't really think Derek and, and Francis um, you know are, are very much similar. Where you can take MMA math and go, this will be the same when you get Francis in there. Uh, Francis is a, is a very very good athlete. Uh, he moves very very well, and uh, I think that that to me is is kind of what we can match when it comes to surreal in this fight as well. Is, is uh, we can match the movement. And uh, and finally, I, I, when again when you look at Cyril and you look at what Francis is able to do um, against Cyril, one of these things that Francis has talked about is moving into the world of boxing. Now I think that this would kind of be a very good example of what Francis can do in that world, even though of course this is a mixed martial arts bout. I always scoff at the idea of mixed martial artists going into boxing, but when I hear Tyson Fury talking about facing Francis Ngannou with MMA gloves in a boxing match, that actually really piques my interest. I'd be very curious to see how that would play out. But do you sometimes have to talk to these mixed martial artists about not thinking about entering the boxing sphere because it's just such a different sport? You know, I'm for these guys maximizing their value at any point that they can. I want them to make as much money as they can. Um, but, you know, in this particular situation for me, Aaron, like, I don't want to overlook Surreal and I have no intentions on on thinking about Tyson Fury until that time would, would, would actually come but um, you know if 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 and when that that time does come you know I think Francis has a as a very good skill set and I think he can compete against these guys in boxing especially with you know coach Dewey Cooper being part of our team and being more um, obviously coaching boxers full-time that's what he does so uh, I think if this is something Francis decides to get into I think he'll, he'll be successful at it either way I've always said this. Use MMA gloves in these boxing crossovers. Like, if you want to have mixed martial artists face boxers, at least level the playing field a little bit. Like, I didn't think that Connor had much of a chance against Floyd Mayweather, even though as the, it got closer and closer to the fight, you listen to Connor and you can believe everything this guy's saying. Uh, but when you, of course, really think about him beating a Floyd Mayweather in boxing in his own sport, it seems like it's outside the realm of possibility. But with MMA gloves, if that fight would have happened, I think I like Connor's chances a whole lot more or any mixed martial artist in that regard. Yeah, and, and we saw Connor, you know, touch Floyd quite a bit in the first couple rounds. And I'm with you, bro. Like, if if you've never really, I mean, when has Floyd ever sparred or done anything with four ounce gloves on? It's it's just different. It's much different. So some of those punches that Connor connected on Floyd, yeah, I, I absolutely believe you're right. I think he could have put somebody's lights out. So, yeah, if uh, if Tyson Fury decides he wants to box Francis with four ounce gloves on, it definitely does us a favor. Yeah, I would pre-order that. I would pre-order that one. Well, anyhow, I've already pre-ordered UFC 270. It's an awesome card. Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gunn, the two best heavyweights on the planet going toe-to-toe. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate the ability to pick your brain leading up to the fight. A huge thanks to all of our guests, UFC President Dana White, UFC Heavyweight Champion Francis Ngannou, UFC Interim Heavyweight Champion Cyril Gunn, UFC Flyweight Champion Brandon Moreno, Charles Jordan, and Eric Nixick, the head coach over at Extreme Couture in Las Vegas. Big thank you to them, and big thank you to you for tuning in to these interviews. Hope you enjoyed all of them. The odds game, always a fun time with UFC President Dana White. And I do have one little favor to ask. Just a small favor. You've gotten about an hour worth of great content for you to enjoy, maybe even a little bit more. Take an extra minute or two. 
go to wherever you get your podcasts, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, and leave us a five-star review and a nice note. Only if you believe it, though. Only if it's true to your convictions, and I hope it is. But it really does go a long way in terms of boosting this show and its SEO value on the Internet. So thank you for tuning into this, and uh, we will be back next week with more interviews leading up to each week's UFC card. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.